In Argentina, the cost of borrowing is shooting up to stratospheric levels. We're talking about interest rates of 40%, The country's leadership promised a new era that put this sort of trajectory behind it. Now Argentina finds itself in talks with the International Monetary Fund for loans to shore up its finances. How does this even happen? How can they make it right? And how is this part of a larger challenge facing emerging markets? Welcome to Benchmark, a show about the global economy. I'm Daniel Moss, writer and editor at Bloomberg Opinion in New York. And I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. Joining us to explain Argentina's ills, why we should care, and whether there are broader lessons is Federico County. He's head of Emerging Markets Fixed Income at UBS Asset Management. He's also a former economist at the IMF. Federico, welcome to Benchmark. Thank you for having me. So, Federico, Argentina's president, Mauricio Macri, promised a new era for the country. What practices did he say he would change? Well, uh, when he took office, he had to manage a number of challenges that the previous administration had uh, inherited to him. You know, there was a system in which Argentina was effectively an autarky, didn't have many relationships with the international economy and, um, uh, you know, had a fiscal situation that needed repair. Uh, What he promised is a gradual adjustment program, uh, a multi-annual fiscal adjustment program, that involve lowering inflation and fixing the fiscal accounts once and for all. Markets understood that and were willing to finance that effort because of, you know, among other reasons, Argentina didn't have that much debt uh, when this administration took office back in 2015. So markets understood it was going to be a gradual program and they delivered. You know, they were able to deliver on that. Uh, Growth started to pick up. Uh, Fiscal accounts started to improve. What it never actually happened, though, was foreign direct investment coming to the economy for different reasons. So was it just the foreign investment not coming in? What else went wrong that made us get to this point in Argentina? There were a couple of policy mistakes, and obviously external conditions turned sour in 2018 for emerging markets. The policy mistakes had to do with a perception that the central bank was an independent institution and a very powerful one. In December, when the exchange had appreciated to levels that the government thought uh, were too strong and were having an impact on manufacturing production and exports, it's when they started to intervene on the the central bank. And investors took that very badly because all of a sudden an independent institution was being meddled with by the government. That was the beginning of it. And uh, after that, uh, they changed the inflation target. Inflation was already very high. But the inflation target was actually raised even farther. And next, the next month, the central bank cut rates in an environment in which probably they shouldn't have done that. Then they actually impose a small tax on the stock of uh, debt that uh, foreigners had actually bought uh, called the VAX. Um, these are, these are the, this is the name of the bonds. And that 5% tax actually generated a run on the bonds and a run on the currency. So there were policy mistakes. There were, um, I think, um, you know, they underestimated how jittery markets were in relation to a program that was 
uh, you know, vulnerable and that needed everything to go perfectly well in order to work. Um, so that's how we got to the point in which the central bank had to hike rates more than a thousand basis points in two days to stabilize the currency and to actually, you know, announce further fiscal measures and finally, you know, knock at the doors of the IMF again uh, to get some, some support from them. How does an economy even function with interest rates of 40 percent? Right. Inflation in Argentina is high, right? So um, under, under, you know, the inflation target for 2018 is 15 percent. Now, given what has just happened, probably inflation will be a close to 25 percent. So 40 percent is not as you know, high as if it, as it would be the case if inflation was running at you know, single digits. But in any case, it's very high. Under you know the more pessimistic inflationary expectations, we're talking about an interest rate in real terms of around 15%, which is very high indeed. The idea is to shock markets, right? To actually eliminate any chance of a further FX run, a currency run that is, and um, to stabilize the financial situation. Now, this cannot last for long. Otherwise, it is going, it's going to shock economic activity and the economy might actually even run in a, into a recession. To avoid that, they have to come up with credible measures on the fiscal front and also with a program sponsored by the IMF in which billions of dollars are put at the disposal of the government. And this is extremely important. Um, Argentina has now the, is now negotiating a program with IMF, a standard, standby agreement, as it is called, and they could get, you know, billions of dollars uh, from the IMF for exchange of an adjustment program that most likely will be very similar to what they were already doing. The IMF is a very changed institution. It's not, you know, the institution of 20 years ago when they were require and demand orthodox policies uh, with, you know, the very deep adjustments. That doesn't happen anymore. Think about what they just did with Greece. Um, you know, with Greece, basically, they agreed to give them 32 times their quota. And, uh, you know, that was a significant amount of money for Greece, 30 billion euro back then, for in exchange of a very gradual fiscal program. So is this IMF loan or, or facility, whatever you want to call it, is this the way for Argentina to get out of this trap that it seems to have been in for several decades? And if it doesn't work, what next? There are many things that have happened uh, in the recent past with this administration, right? This administration basically cleaned up the mess that the previous administrations actually left the country in. And they have a real shot of actually changing things in Argentina at a fundamental level, right? I mean, going to basic stuff like the rule of law, the way the private sector is treated, uh, how mm, wages are negotiated, you know, how uh, are priced in the economy set up, how much of an adjustment uh, they will implement on tariffs and other public goods to uh, provide an incentive to investment in those sectors. I mean, utilities in Argentina haven't gotten investment in the past you know, 10, 15 years, and there is a need for that to happen. So it's not only fiscal, it's not only monetary. There are a number of things that have changed and are changing in Argentina that could allow them to actually you know, have a chance in the longer term. So you know, what this program with IMF and this effort that they are into uh, uh, you know, could provide is a way for Argentines to understand that, you know, this new you know, paradigm in which they find themselves is something that could be sustainable and could result in higher growth and lower inflation. 
uh, without having to resort to you know, price uh, controls and capital controls and all sorts of artificial measures that they have been accustomed to because of the inefficiencies of the economy in the past. So you're saying there's a lot that's going right and a lot of the Macri promise is being delivered, but this 40% interest rates and the letters IMF, that's just getting in the way of that narrative? Too much bad PR? Well, no question about it. I mean, IMF is not a good word in, in Argentina. It will be hard for uh, this government to actually uh, you know, withstand the political cost. But again, I repeat, and I think this is important, this IMF is not the IMF of Indonesia in 1997, 98. And uh, it's uh, an IMF that is willing to, to help and to actually accept gradual uh, programs in exchange of, uh, you know, cheap money. I mean, uh, think about, you know, what are the Argentina pay foreign investors that buy their bonds as recently as in January, right? The coupons were between 7 and 8%. The IMF will lend them this money for 4%. So, and this will be money that will be also obviously, you know, conditional on certain measures being uh, implemented and approved that are already envisaged in their own program, in their own Argentine, you know, adjustment program. So I think that, you know, they will have to do a lot of work on, uh, in Argentina itself to make uh, Argentines understand that they will not have to actually suffer, you know, the way they might have uh, back in 2000, 2001, right, where they were following an IMF prescribed program and the economy got in deep trouble in a deep recession that at the end, you know, resulted in a, in a, in a default in 2001. Federico, with the election of Mr. Macri, that changed an era uh, of Argentina's politics uh, that had been in place for quite some time. And you say that even though the IMF has uh, changed to some extent from its kind of policies and philosophies 20 years ago, there still is, I think, probably hatred for the IMF in, in a lot of corners of Argentina. Is there any possibility that this could be a danger to the current political leadership of the country and that we could go back to you know, the kind of situation that was in place for a long time under the Kirchners? There is definitely that risk. You can actually see it already uh, from the reaction and the statements of some important people in the opposition they smell blood and they want more, right? I mean, uh, this is a great opportunity for them to score a political point. I mean, I think that uh, elections uh, in Argentina uh, will actually be run on the economy. And uh, these elections are in 2019. So, you know, the sooner the better. And I think they made, you know, the right decision to try to fix this as soon as possible because they will have a you know, few quarters before elections come to play in 2019. By then, if things work, uh, the economy should be growing at a decent pace, you know, not potential, but a decent pace, call it 3%, 4%, hopefully. And uh, financial markets uh, domestically, as well as fiscal, as the fiscal situation should have uh, stabilized. But I agree with you, politically speaking, they will have to actually fight a number of battles with the opposition that will try to make the most of it, uh, particularly with unions. Unions in Argentina are very powerful Every first quarter, and it's still the case now, the, you know, the last unions are still negotiating their wage agreements for the year. Um, what happens with inflation expectations is crucial. Uh, otherwise, you have in inflationary inertia in the, in, the, in, the, in the system and inflation never comes down. So they have been able to actually be successful in, you know, this year with those 
uh, negotiations. And so what they need to do now is to deliver on lower inflation. It's going to be tough uh, because of the uh, depreciation of the exchange rate. But if they can actually comply and be on the bold uh, uh, park of inflation by, say, the end of the first quarter of 2019, then they will have boosted their credibility with unions and with workers, and they will be able then to negotiate a new uh, year uh, wage negotiation uh, uh, scheme at lower inflation. Federico, let's zoom out a bit. Is Argentina merely an extreme example of broader problems afflicting emerging markets? Well, I think that Argentina is a very peculiar case, right? I mean, you think you have to think about a country that comes, you know, two years ago, had no access to international capital markets, uh, extremely well-prepared people with lots of credibility come to the market and say, look, we have this program in front of you. We need your financing. And in the past two years, they have issued around $100 billion of debt in international capital markets, right? And uh, uh, in exchange for a program. And um, so in the meantime, what has happened that is affecting other countries as well, uh, you know, are many things. First of all, uh, we have uh, rates in the world economy actually going up, right? We have the ending of QE in the U.S. and maybe the ending of QE in Europe uh, not too far uh, down the road. So global monetary conditions are changing, uh, you know, and that is important for emerging markets because the cost of capital goes up. And people then start you know, thinking on whether investing in emerging markets might make sense or not. That's a systemic you know, shock to emerging markets overall. And then we have you know, higher volatility in the system. You know, volatility was very low for a long time, and all of a sudden spiked in February. And it has come down, but it's far more volatile in the, uh, now than it was in the past. And then you have geopolitical issues, right? You have geopolitical issues in Asia that are, you know, we'll see whether they get resolved or not. Uh, we have geopolitical issues in the Middle East that are affecting many countries, right? I mean, that in particular affects Russia, Turkey, Israel, the whole Middle East, uh, countries that we invest in as, as emerging market investors. And then you have the uncertainty brought upon by, you know, trade policies in the U.S. You know, what will happen with NAFTA? What will happen with uh, other, you know, uh, trade treaties around the world? Um, you know, what will happen with sanctions um, in different countries? I'm going to push back just a little bit, Federico, on the global monetary conditions. Now, it's true the Fed is continuing to raise rates. It's true the ECB has been clear that it's winding down QE. Yet both institutions have been extremely transparent for some time about what they're doing. And these changes are well advertised and pretty gradual. What are we missing here? I agree with you, but, you know, think about what has happened with the 10-year, you know, yield in the U.S., right? I mean, uh, it's up 60 basis points so far this year. It went up 25 basis points in January, 25 basis points in February. You know, that is a shock to the system, right? It's basically the bond yields in the longer end of the curve in, in, in the U.S. and also boons that actually started affecting emerging markets in general. The other shocks also you know, that were unexpected to some extent have to do with the tax policy in the U.S. You know, repatriation had a tremendous impact on LIBOR rates. I mean, it was not the only cause on why LIBOR rates went up. But LIBOR rates, you know, went up almost 100 basis points in the past, you know, several months. And that affects the appeal of carry trades in emerging markets. I'll give you one example, Brazil, right? Brazil uh, carry uh, and, and what I mean by that is buying the Brazilian currency, you know, the real, 
and financing that with LIBOR. You know, three quarters ago, the carry on that trade was around six to 7%. Nowadays, it's less than two and a half percent, right? Why? Because on the one hand, central bank in Brazil has been cutting rates. On the other hand, LIBOR went up. So this impact actually had and it has been spread out um, you know, across uh, emerging markets, particularly in countries that actually have uh, inflation rates that are not in the double digits and you know, policy rates that are relatively low. So Russia, South Africa, Brazil, even Mexico, you know, number of countries now are no longer carry trades and that affects the amount of resources, financial resources that these markets might be able to attract. So there have been, you know, a number of shocks out there that actually affected emerging markets. Although one thing that I will still say is that, you know, the fundamental macro backdrop is still very solid. Global growth is strong. Commodity prices are very supportive. But you have all these other shocks that are definitely, you know, having an impact on, on, on emerging market asset prices. So does that mean that for the time being, the IMF is probably not going to see a boom in countries applying for loans, at least as long as the global economy is still doing all right? Yes. I mean, I, I will I, I will actually be surprised if we were to see a, you know, a, a wave of problems that might require the IMF to become a lot more active. Um, you know, many of these countries, I mean, and that's the other side of the story, many countries in emerging markets are doing a lot better when it comes to the quality of their economic policies. Well, Federico, this has been a really interesting conversation, and uh, we're all going to be watching Argentina very closely to see how it develops. Uh, Federico County, thank you very much for joining us on Benchmark. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Benchmark will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app and podcast destinations such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And you can check us out on Twitter. Follow me at, at Scott Landman. Dan, you're at Moss underscore Eco. And our guest's employer is at, at UBS. Benchmark is produced by Topher Forges. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.